0: Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all today. Um, this morning, our gospel is from Luke chapter 7. And as we talk about waiting, we're uh, waiting in our own lives to celebrate Christmas. While we wait, we, we do all kinds of fun things um, to lighten and brighten the season. And uh, so this morning, um, we listened to, John, uh, to Luke's gospel. Now, just uh, to preface this gospel, uh, just before this gospel, uh, John the Baptist has been thrown into jail. The King Herod has not liked what he has been preaching about him and his new wife. And uh, and so um, Herod throws him into jail, and in a couple of weeks he'll have his head cut off as well. Um, and uh, Jesus has been out in Galilee preaching and teaching and healing people and And uh, he even, in the paragraph just before this one, uh, raised a widow's son in the village of Nain. Those stories have have come back to Jesus. Some of John's disciples, John had some disciples who followed him. They were up there with Jesus in the Galilee. And uh, so our gospel begins here in Luke chapter 7. John's disciples told him then about all of these things that Jesus was doing. Calling two of them, John sent them to the Lord to ask, The lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. One of the things that we used to like to do when I was a kid, waiting, waiting, it seemed like waiting forever for Christmas to come. Um, one of the things that we really enjoyed doing um, when I was a kid was driving around our town looking at the Christmas lights. Any of you driven around town, looked at those Christmas lights? Aren't they, oh, we have some really beautiful Christmas lights in, in this community. My folks would pile, pile all eight of us into uh, our 1958 Oldsmobile sedan. And in those days, we didn't have to buckle our seatbelts. Of course, the backseat didn't have any seatbelts, but my parents didn't have to worry about it because they just crammed us in and there was no, there was no room for us to get you know, thrown out of the car or anything. We were jammed in there so tight. But, um, but we would get in the car and we would cruise downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan, looking at all of the amazing window displays, all of the blinking lights. It was, it was magical. It was mystical. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. And then we would head out through East Grand Rapids, where all of the rich people lived. Whoa, now there were some Christmas lights. It was amazing. Um, every house was ablaze with lights. The, the Christmas spirit here. I mean, it was just electrical as you drove through the, drove through the, the town. It, it, it was big, it was bright, it was powerful, it was amazing. Us kids never said it out loud to our parents, but I know that I did think it. Why can't we have Christmas like this? We then um, go home down our dark street to the very end where we lived. Um, we'd go inside the house. We'd turn on the scrawny $5 tree in our window. Now, in those days, a long, long time ago, $5 was a lot of money, but it was still a scrawny tree. And we'd light the Advent candles, and we would sing, Silent Night, Holy Night. One year, my dad must have caught what I was thinking, I think, because After reading the Christmas story, he said, You know, kids, when Jesus was born at that stable in Bethlehem, there were no lights. There was no big Christmas display. There was no big Christmas tree. It was just a mom and a dad and a baby and a kind innkeeper who provided a place for them to stay. Maybe the innkeeper's wife to help Mary deliver her baby. And there were a number of years back then, too, um, around our Christmas table like in Bethlehem where there would be a stranger eating with us. Somebody f- from my dad's work that didn't have uh, uh, any family that he would invite to come along and, and spend Christmas with us. And even one year, if my memory serves me correct, there was someone that he ran into in the store doing during his last-minute shopping for my mother, I think. You know what that is like. And he ran into this, this guy, some stranger, and got to talking with him, and he didn't have any place to spend Christmas, so he invited him home as well. Well, as I read this gospel for today, and, and as I think about Christmas, I think this is what Christmas is all about. This is what, this is what I'm waiting for, and, and the older I get, this is what I long for more and more and more, a Christmas that is less but a Christmas that is more. I know a lot of people are, are drawn to the blitz and the glitz and the energy. And, you know, I, I'll admit to you, I, I am too. I, I've got a Christmas tree up in my house, and I love driving around and seeing all the Christmas trees. I love soaking up the energy of this season. Um, even in church, even in church, we think that, you know, you've got to have energy and power and excitement and the biggest and the best and and the most excellent of everything. Um, and that's okay. That is what the church in John the Baptist's day thought, too. John had preached it himself. John had said, When the Messiah comes, he's going to come with a winnowing fork in his hand. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There'll be lights and there'll be energy, and there'll be power streaming from him. And so when Jesus comes, people are asking, could he really be the one dressed like that? No angels, no band, no bright blinking lights or billboards on I-94 or, or on the internet superhighway." Some people think that John sent his disciples to Jesus to ask him if he really was the one because... Even John the Baptist was, may, was maybe a little bit unsure. I mean, after all, the Jesus that actually shows up at Christmas is not the Jesus. That, I mean, it doesn't match up very well with Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, he comes quietly in the middle of the night. He walks through town. He, he heals. He, he makes well. He, 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 he preaches. But... Uh, it wasn't the power and the energy and the lights that, that uh, people were expecting, maybe even John the Baptist. Some people think that, that John the Baptist sent his disciples um, to see Jesus and ask him if he was the one so that they would see for themselves that he was the one. But for whatever reason, people back then, like people today too, had a hard time seeing. They needed their eyes opened to see that the kingdom of God and the king are not about glitz and blinking lights and power, but about love and service and humility. John's disciples go to Jesus and they ask him, are you the one, really? Come on now, really? And Jesus says, look and see, look and see. And and we can say, you know, a lot of times we're tempted to say, look and see, too. look at our beautiful buildings, look at our great music, look at our, 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 our great worship, our bright lights, look at how big we are and how excited people are, look at all the rich and famous people who belong here. But Jesus does not point his seekers to those things. He points them to the sick people who are being cared for. He points them to the blind people who are seeing now. He points them to the deaf who are hearing the word of God now. He points them to the dead people who are living a new life. And he points to all the poor people, all of the outcast people, all of the strangers, all of the immigrants, all of the untouchables, all of the forgotten and passed over that nobody else will have anything to do with. He points to all of them and says, look, see how they are being loved and cared for and included in his family, in his kingdom. Look at the lowly, everyday people whose lives have been touched, and and whose lives have, as Pastor Todd points out often, been transformed. This is where Christmas is, because this is where Jesus is. Jesus is in the dark. He's in the barn, poor and homeless, a refugee, rejected, neglected, dying on a cross, a criminal, with no light display and no accompaniment except for the off-tune wailing of three or four women and one poor guy who can't hold a tune because the tears are streaming down his face. But here, in Jesus, less is more. He gave up all of the energy. He gave up all the power. He gave up all the glory and lights of heaven to come down here and save us poor people us poor people who are stuck in what sometimes becomes a rat race, this deafening cacophony of sights and, and lights that we call Christmas. He comes to save us and to bring us into his kingdom, a kingdom of love, a kingdom of kinship and peace, where everyone has a place and everyone has a home. I mean, it's true at Christmas. It's also true... In his resurrection, even in his resurrection, there were no bright flashing lights. There was no public power display. Jesus rose from the dead pretty much in the dark, out of sight. And when he appeared, he appeared quietly, almost sneaking up on people, looking like an ordinary worker, looking like a gardener with the nail marks still on his body. Jesus is so understated. And yet his less is our more. His humility, his mercy, his love, his fairness towards all people, toward the poor and the look down on as much as toward the rich, it, all, it means that we are all loved and we're all forgiven and we're all welcome around his Christmas tree. No matter what gift we have to bring, or no gift except our ragged selves. So, Jesus asks, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And and more than that, More than a prophet, this is the one, John the Baptist, about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way before you. How will people see Christmas in us this year? Jesus pointed out that John, after all, lived in the wilderness. His life was not decorated with fine clothes. He did not live in a luxurious palace. But in his life and through his words, you could see Jesus. People went miles and miles out into the desert to see his Christmas display. He pointed the way to the king in his humility, in his simplicity, and in his life given to serving Christ and making him known. How will we then display the the meaning of Christmas this year? Will we welcome not just our friends to church this Christmas, but will we make strangers feel welcome and at home here too? Who do we know that is alone this Christmas, that we could invite to share our Christmas or or go to visit in a nursing home or in a jail? Do we have a neighbor who needs a driveway or a mailbox shoveled? How can we give more to others by giving less to ourselves this Christmas, and so let them see Jesus and the King in us? I mean, maybe it would even be a good idea to um, buy less for our kids this Christmas so that we can teach them more about what Christmas is all about by by giving a goat or a chicken to a family through Compassion International or Heifer International, or, or giving as much to the Salvation Army as we spend for one of our family members. I mean, we could, we could, take, a, we could take a poor person or poor family into our homes, into our lives this whole year by just giving to Salvation Army. Got a phone call from the Salvation Army this week, and they said, nobody's ringing bells. Nobody's ringing bells, and if nobody's ringing bells... No money is coming in. If we don't have money to, to help, uh, we're not going to be able to help people who are homeless and, and people who um, don't have enough food and people who are going through difficult and painful times, people who need help with them um, buying medicine and who need help with their utilities. During these six weeks before Christmas, Salvation Army gets, I think it is, about 75% of what they need during the year to help people. Um, and so, if, if people are not ringing the bells, and how many times have you gone into County Market or Family Fresh or, you know, uh, Flea Farm, um, and there hasn't been anybody ringing the bells? Um, you know, we spend 16, 20, 30 hours in front of our computers, you know, shopping at Amazon.com. Um, you could take two hours to ring the bells and, um, and, and bless a family. You know, and this is not just buying a Christmas present for some kid that doesn't have a Christmas present. It's, it's, helping to, it's helping people with rent. It's helping people with food. It's helping people with their utilities. It's helping people to survive. 75% of the year. What is that, through September? Um, you can do that. We could do that. We could shine like stars, like the twinkling lights on the Christmas tree as we, um, as we reach out and as we help in just, in just a little way? How will we display Christmas cheer and Christmas joy this year? Um, is there somebody in our lives that we're having some tension and some stress with that, that we need to go to and ask to be reconciled? asking them for their forgiveness or, or forgiving them? How will we display the meaning of Christmas by caring for um, refugees and immigrants? Who does nobody else care about that we can befriend and show Jesus to in our love and in our lives? The lights are nice, and the, the music is pretty, and the gifts are okay, and, and all of those things are fine, and, and they're great. But where will people see the meaning of Christmas most clearly? And what kind of Christmas celebration will bring God the most glory? The prophet Micah wrote, what does the Lord require? What floats his boat? What does he want for Christmas? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. May people see the the meaning of Christmas bright and brilliant in us, in in the lights in our house and and in our, our joyful Christmas carols. But not just there. Even more. Even more, may people see Christmas bright and brilliant in our lives and in our love, in our mercy, in the justice that we show to everyone and the care that we provide for all in our humility, and in our service.